Getting Better Healthcare is brought to you in part by Leo Pharma. Every American is acutely aware of the issues surrounding our healthcare system. We know miracles can happen, but we find ourselves bombarded by conflicting information and are uncertain of what and whom we can trust. We have some of the best medical care in the world for those who can afford it. Incredible new drugs that change people's lives but can be very costly. Many of the best doctors the world has ever seen, but not all are perfect. That's why Dr. Steve Feldman created the show, Getting Better Healthcare, to help walk us through the labyrinth, helping us understand how to take better care of ourselves and to better understand the challenges, issues, controversies, and complexities of our healthcare system as it exists and as it could be. For better healthcare and a better healthcare system, listen to the doctor. Now, here's Steve. Welcome to Getting Better Healthcare on webtalkradio.net. I'm your host, Dr. Steve Feldman founder of the DrScore.com physician rating patient satisfaction website. We're recording today from our studios here in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. I don't know if you can tell, but I'm extremely enthusiastic about today's program because we're going to cover what I think is one of the most uh, important and entertaining topics, uh, health economics, how economic incentives drive how healthcare is delivered in the United States. On our show today, we have an expert in the field, Professor Hal Luft. He has a Ph.D. in economics. He's Professor Emeritus at the University of California, San Francisco, and Director of the Palo Alto Medical Foundation. Dr. Luft, thank you so much for joining us on the program today. Um, I really love having somebody other than a doctor, a, a, a medical doctor on the program, somebody like you who has a Ph.D. in economics to discuss you know, in an objective way, uh, what our health system is like and, and the incentives in that system. Let's start by, by talking about the, the way economic incentives uh, organize our medical system today. Well, um, most of medical care is still paid for on a fee-for-service basis, uh, and Probably the most important part of that is it's a um, a not coordinated fee for service basis, so that uh, physicians, uh, other healthcare providers, including hospitals, etc., um, get paid for everything that they do. Um, you talk to the providers, and they'll say it's usually not enough. Um, but uh, there's not very much being paid for coordinating care, uh, and there's typically nothing being paid um, if somebody thinks very hard about a problem and decides that something doesn't need to be done. Uh, so it's the um, incentives uh, that are actually very similar to incentives that we see elsewhere in the economy. Uh, the thing that's different in healthcare is that usually there is an insurer who is bearing the uh, individual cost rather than the patient paying out of pocket. Um, you mentioned that uh, we're not paying people for doing nothing. You know, I, I, I remember um, when uh, gatekeeping managed care, HMO-type systems were all the rage, uh, and these were designed to pay people to keep people healthy uh, or perhaps paying people not to give care. Uh, is that the opposite of what we have now? Um, the the Things are different in important and subtle ways. 
So, so the uh, stereotypic managed care plan uh, of the 90s um, had a gatekeeper, uh, typically a primary care physician, who um, might get some sort of or share in some sort of a bonus if overall cost was lower, utilization of services was lower. Um, and so that's getting paid for saying no, in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what I'm talking about is something a good bit different. Um, let, let's say I have a primary care physician, and um, normally she's going to get paid a certain amount uh, for a, a routine office visit, um, or it may not be routine, it may be uh, I've come in with a particular problem. Um, and... Um, She's running close to the end of her ten to fifteen minute visits that she uh, minutes that she booked for the appointment, and now is facing an implicit choice. Um, she still hasn't really figured out what my problem is. Uh, she could refer me to a specialist who would work me up, maybe with some imaging and other things, and get back to her with, um, well, here's what I found. Um, or she could spend another five or ten minutes talking me through what the different options are and explain that, you know, it's probably nothing, and if we wait two weeks uh, and if I'm getting better, then that's fine. And if there is something to be worried about, it's almost certainly going to be slow moving so that I will have lost nothing by waiting the two weeks. And uh, she will actually have her nurse or herself call me in two weeks or any time before that, uh, call me in two weeks to see how I'm doing, and if I have a problem and concern, I should call her in the interim. And that just took almost a minute and a half to tell you. Just to describe it, yeah. And it would probably take her ten minutes to walk me through that, for which she gets paid nothing extra. Um. One could argue that she actually might be providing better care because she's avoiding an extra imaging and the x-rays associated with that, uh, the possibility of an incidental finding that the um, orthopedist or whoever would feel that he or she would need to follow up on that probably isn't going to cause any problem in any way um, and uh, would actually provide more reassurance. Okay. Uh, but right now the current fee-for-service system doesn't reward her for spending that extra time, certainly doesn't reward her for the phone call where she might spend another minute or two explaining to me that, no, that's unrelated problem. Um, and uh, that is not helping coordination. So I'm making a, a real distinction here between uh, somebody who just says no um, and somebody who says let me try to understand your problem and address it, and we can do this by my, as a primary care physician, spending more time with you, doing some things that are not currently paid for, like a phone call or an email message, um, and avoiding some things that are certainly expensive and possibly uh, deleterious to your health. So if we think about the different kinds of incentive systems that we could come up with. Uh, we could have a system where, where the doctor gets a bonus, the less cost they use, so that they're really being incentivized to provide less care. 
um, which I don't think we want. Um, we can have this fee-for-service system where doctors are paid for the procedures that they do to people, which is encourages them to do more and doesn't give them the incentive to, you know, try things that may be safer and, and, and better and potentially less costly. Um, I'm almost hearing that a, a there, there could be the potential for a fee-for-service system that just pays doctors by the minute so that they are incentivized to provide the kind of counseling time that patients might benefit from. Well, it's, it's a couple of things, because if it would just pay by the minute, that doesn't pay for the nurse. That doesn't pay for the phone call, unless you're counting the minutes on the phone call as well. Um, so, so part of the way I look at it is a blend of different approaches for different problems. So let's imagine that I do need a surgical procedure. Maybe I need to have a, um, a joint replaced. So once I've decided that this is the route down which I want to go, then I would argue that there ought to be a bundled payment that would include not just the surgeon's cost, but also the anesthesiologist, the hospital or outpatient surgery center, uh, the implant, um, and, <clears throat> and even some pre-admission and post-op rehab. Because from a patient perspective, I just want that joint fixed. And I want it fixed as efficiently as possible with minimal side effects and problems. And all those other little decisions about how much rehab, about when to schedule, about all those other things, from a patient perspective, I, I really don't understand, and frankly, I'm not sure I care about. Um, I care about my ability to function well afterwards and the short-term experience that I have during the procedure and immediately afterwards, et cetera. You know, uh, this concept of bundling, it seems like it could happen at several levels. So you could imagine that one fee that you pay to your doctor is, in essence, a bundled service. You're paying for the doctor and his office and his nurse and whatever else is entailed in that visit. You can bundle the episode of care, as you've described, you're bundling uh -huh. an episode of care for the joints, or conceivably that HMO theory of providing all your care for one fixed fee is, is an even more global bundle. Right, and, and, and I think you really put your finger, <clears throat> your finger on this very well. So the classic HMO model, where the research had originally been done showing um, reasonably good quality at substantially lower cost, was based on organizations like Kaiser, where it's not just that they have a total bundled payment, but they hire the mix of physicians, nurses, other people. Uh, they organize their services around this whole uh, effort to provide the appropriate care to their patients. And from their perspective, the hospital is a cost center, not a revenue center. Um, they want to do the things that are appropriate, and they don't want to do the things that are unnecessary. Um, at the other extreme, we have the fragmented, disorganized system of almost everybody else, where the providers are used to being paid fee-for-service, et cetera. And it's very hard to know how to create an integrated system 
of some of those providers and maybe not others to change the incentives, et cetera, uh, and to do it while you're still taking care of patients. In other words, it's not like we can say, okay, no one's going to get health care for the next three years while we reorganize the system, yeah. create new contracts, organizations, move people into organized clinic settings, develop the information system, and then in three years we'll open the doors again and take care of everybody. Mm-hmm. So, so we don't have that option. So part of the way that I'm thinking about this is the, the episode of payment for either the hospital episode or an acute surgical intervention, which may be in an outpatient setting, that's a bundled amount where almost all the people involved in that episode actually know each other face-to-face. You could get them together in a room and say, how are we going to provide this knee replacement? What are the processes? How do we do that? How do we want to move the money around amongst ourselves? In some cases, it may be paying the anesthesiologist by the minute, the surgeon by the procedure, and have the group share in some overall um, bonuses, in a sense, if they're able to get costs down, readmission rates down, um, and provide higher patient satisfaction. And where I would then step back is to say, that's great, but you guys ought to be deciding exactly how you do that procedure, but you shouldn't be deciding whether the patient needs it. Because that's right back into the pure fee-for-service model, where every joint is an operation waiting to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, You turn it around and you say, let's move back and ask maybe the primary care physician who's managing this patient's problem for the whole year. So this could be arthritis. It could be getting worse. Patient may need a joint replacement. Maybe not. Maybe there are some other more conservative approaches, some exercises, some other things that we ought to try first. So that's where I'd say, I don't know how many visits are going to be needed, but we can know that for a chronic problem of this sort, it's a year's worth of management. Now, I wouldn't want to put that primary care physician at risk for that whole joint replacement because, by God, he's going to keep this patient hobbling along on a cane for as long as possible. Um, So that's where you need to offset some of those, um, the risk of occurrence from the cost of management and to have some built-in risk pulls, larger and larger amounts, but again, trying to keep the, and design the incentives appropriately so that clinicians can organize their care in the way that's most effective and most appropriate. Um, patients can see the differential cost of different physicians. So some physicians may be very aggressive in their recommendations. Others may be very conservative in their recommendations. And I would argue that Controlling for the patient's health status, which we don't want to hold them responsible for. Um, If you want to go to the doc who says, I'm going to test everything and prove everything and check it all out, and yes, it's going to be more expensive than, you know, as a patient, I ought to bear that extra expense. Now, we may want some income-based subsidies so that it doesn't only impact the poor, but that's a decision that I could make. It's 
sort of like saying, um, I'm going on a vacation. Uh, how many stars do I want the hotel to be? And I know that everything is going to be scaled up or down based upon, you know, is this a five-star hotel or is this um, Motel 6? Yeah, well, one of the issues that we have is our sense that uh, everybody deserves, has a right to the best possible health care. And when you do that, the economic incentives, boy, do they get very screwy, I, I, I think. Well, you're listening to Getting Better Healthcare on webtalkradio.net. We're speaking today with uh, Dr. Hal Luft, a Ph.D. in economics, professor emeritus from the University of California, San Francisco, working at the Palo Alto Medical Foundation. We're going to continue our discussion with Dr. Luft next week. When we do, we're going to focus on pay-for-performance systems. That's paying doctors and healthcare systems for not just the quantity of care that they offer, but for the quality of that care. It's an important topic, and I think you'll find it very informative. Well, that's the end of today's show. Our theme music is by the incomparable Michael Zioli. Our show is brought to you in part by Leo Pharma. Until next time, I wish you the very best of health. Thanks for listening to the show today. Remember to go to DrScore.com to get and give feedback about your doctor and to read others' recommendations about doctors in your area. It's a way to choose your path to healthcare empowerment. That's D-R-S-C-O-R-E.com, DrScore.com. And we'll see you next week right here on Getting Better Healthcare.